Welcome to the Fully Live Man Podcast. This is a podcast to help men leverage community to win life. Hey y'all, this is Robbie Angle. This is the Fully Alive Man podcast. This podcast is for all men in community, men in men's groups and married groups, to talk about how we leverage community to win life, to become more fully alive. And a fully alive man is rooted in Jesus, fully known by a few, and engaged in their unique calling. So we're going to be unpacking what it means to be fully known by a few. Yep, I absolutely hope that we can get some words around it. I don't think anyone would disagree that there's value in being being fully known, but we definitely need clarity in words. That's right. And who you guys are, our hope is, are men who are in community. What do we mean by community? We mean guys who are in married groups and guys who are in men's groups that get together with a degree of consistency and intentionality to become better at life, uh, to do life better, to sharpen each other, to grow, to thrive and to experience more life, hence fully alive. So we're excited. We're going to unpack it today. Yeah, I think part of it is really natural. Um, like you don't have to tell groups of boys to group up. Yeah. And we have something in us that, that I don't know, wants to do life in a pack with some other dudes. Um, but as we get older, I mean, we'll talk about it, but the tension just pulls us in a different direction. It, it, this is one of those topics that's so weird. It's so natural to be in relationship, to desire to be known and have relationship. And it was so easy when we were kids, but then the older we get, these patterns and the ruts we get into, it becomes less and less common, but we we want it the same. It's a weird tendency. And there's something about hiding and isolation and posing that all has to play in this, which we'll unpack a little bit. But I was thinking, I was thinking coming in, I still like it's so weird to me how I I still want to hide and like pose. So I think like a week and a half ago, I straight up lied to a guy and it was like, what is it in me? You know, like when you're nine and 10, it's just like, you just lie. Like, yes, I do. My, my three-year-old, I walked downstairs the other day, no diaper on and there's poop sitting in the carpet. A, a, a thing of poop on the carpet. I'm like, Titus, <laughs> did you go potty man? And he was like, no, Jude did it. Oh, Jude's on the house. It's just so innate Poor in us. To, it's so innate to to just lie. And and as a grown man, I still do it. So I got pulled over a week and a half ago. It was like stop and go traffic. In Georgia, we have this new hands-free law where you're not supposed to touch your cell phone when you're driving. But I was in stop and go. So I was just like scrolling Facebook. How did you get pulled over in stop and go traffic? Because I'm just sitting there. Well, well, I had to move up did the into a parking walk up lot. to your car? <laughs> no, he just flicked his lights. So I, he was I'm, behind you. Yeah, he's right behind me. And I'm just, you know, my phone up, just scrolling through Facebook or something. And then as soon as I look up in my rearview mirror, I see the cop sitting there and he just flicked his lights. I mean, I was like, yep, Painful. here we go. Mine, so, mine starts scrolling oh, immediately. Yeah. So I pull over, he comes up, he's like, um, I actually lied twice in the same conversation. <laughs> he goes, beautiful. so you know about the hands free? Uh, and yeah. just by not acknowledging, oh, what law, do you mean sir? by that? I was like, well, uh, tell me. And he explained it or whatever. And then I was like, yeah, I texted my wife. I'm sorry. 
what? Where did that come from? Why couldn't I? I mean, I was I was caught. I was busted. And there was still that, like, it wasn't even white. It was just the, a straight up lie. The beauty of this manipulation is you went with the lie, but close enough to the truth. But, like, it wasn't necessary. Like, it wasn't all the way to social media. But it wasn't. I was texting my doctor to get the results either. Oh, you yeah. didn't overdo it. It was right yeah. in between. So, really, to... Since we're talking about this, to share how screwed oh, up we're I really am. We're in it now. <laughs> to share how screwed up I really am. Then when he went back to his car, I texted my wife and said, Hey, I'll be home in about ten minutes. <laughs> so to make myself feel a little bit just, better about the lie, just, just in told. case you're sitting on the judgment seat someday <laughs> with God, she can be like, No, you see the text, it's about the same time. God, time is like time isn't <laughs> relative to you. So it was kinda not a lot. So screwed up. Amazing. Anyways, so, Beautiful. Um Thanks for letting me uh, open up with a little yeah. fully known. I have asked forgiveness for that and wondered why I'm so screwed up. And I feel like I'm Titus and three years old. I'm I, I think it's beautiful. You've come out of the dark right <laughs> right here on a recording. Way to go. Thanks. I appreciate it. What about you? Is there something that you've done or like white lie when you think back? Yeah. What so comes I, to mind? Well, I just wondered if it is not common to almost every single man to have lied at some point in their life about a car crash, mm. like especially our first car crash. I know for me, my first car crash was spectacular. It was a 78 Datsun hatchback, green and rust colored, beautiful. And legitimately, my brakes did go out on this car at a, at a right corner turn mm. that I couldn't make. Um, and yes, my brakes did go out because I, I had quote, fix them the day before. But what I didn't share with my father was that two seconds before my brakes failed and I couldn't make the turn, I had passed my friend's Jeep Wrangler Mm. um, in the left lane going an exorbitant amount of speed. I'm lucky to be alive, but as soon as I was alive, I was working on the lie. Sorry, Mr. Rogers. I hope he he doesn't listen to this podcast standing up. Man, when I turned 16, I uh, was driving my sister's Toyota Cressida and uh, got hit in the rear end, but it was like on the back fender and didn't tell her for about two weeks. And she came in one day, I was like, somebody hit my car, it must have been a parking lot. And I was like, that uh, is amazing. We just immediately hide. Uh, what is that? It, 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 is, it is innate from my three-year-old to me yeah. now. It's so fascinating. And I wonder if every, again, every guy doesn't have that that car crash shame hiding moment. Uh, Will, who produces our podcast, he was saying he has one. Uh, spinning out, doing donuts in a parking lot, hit a, hit a tree, lost control, immediately told his dad he had hit a deer. His dad didn't believe him for a second. Dude, I am not going to believe my 16-year-old. Whatever good reason, this is a good reminder to me not to believe them. Yeah, There's something in us that wants to pose or to to show or present an image of us that we feel like will be accepted. I think it has to do with shame. It definitely has to do with shame. And, and yeah, it feels safer to hide. It's weird. Like, guilt feels bad about something, but shame's a little bit deeper and different. Shame is the narrative that says, I'm a screw up. So guilt is more, I screwed up. I feel bad about it. Shame is, I'm a screw up. Or this indicates something about me that says, I don't have what it takes. I'm a screw up. And if you see that, then you're going to see me as a failure. You're going to see me as not having what it takes, which is such a primary thing that is just 
feels like I think it's too much to risk. And so it's just easier to present ourselves to each other as successful and non-liars and <laughs> whatever else to, to, to pose. And so you can accept me and think I'm as awesome as I want to be. Hey, let me ask. I don't want to circle back too far, but what do you mean when you say the narrative? I think the narrative is that identity script that we talked about last episode of how I see myself. That narrative of when I think of myself, what do I think of? How do I see myself? So others' view of me gets intermingled with how I see myself. And I think in this fully known by a few piece, we're entering into the realm of how do I engage with others to affect how they see me and what they see of me, which is what I'd love for us to unpack and and wrestle to the ground today. Yep, I'm ready. So this makes me think of our friend Pete, Pete Lesher. Uh, He's he's got a story of being a kid and being at his dad's funeral, and there wasn't enough guys to carry the casket. And it was this marker in his life where he said, I am never going to be that guy. And Bob Goff says, um, you know, there's room for about eight people at your at your hospital bed to be around the bed. All of us in our gut would say, man, we want that. When we are at our hospital bed, when we have our casket, will there be enough friends who love us enough that would be there to carry our casket? And it seems like the the older men get, the more that they value those authentic, real relationships. And they talk about the value of that, and they have regrets around that, which is family, which is close friends. Those are where the bulk of regrets and I wishes and I should have land. It has nothing to do with did I make the sale or how how busy I was or did I start that company or which car I drove or I wish I lived in that neighborhood. But in the middle of it, as a younger guy, those are so consuming, which just sets us up um, in such an interesting tension. At least it does for me. I, I feel this tension, uh, th- this tension, this this battle for what I prioritize in a pretty um, significant way in this season of my life. Yeah, that's really good. I, I mean, you got me thinking, I feel like I probably have three or four guys who are close there's probably a couple other guys right now like, hey, I thought we were close. Um, but three or four guys who are close who I would want to be at that hospital bed are, are the guys that, you know, could say, you know, I really knew you. Um, but at the same time, I feel like I know a thousand guys who, you know, maybe maybe don't know me yep. that well. So, yeah, I don't I don't know if I have eight that are close. And you're incredibly relational. And for the average normal guy... Most of us don't, and there's reasons. One, I don't think we know how to very well, right. and partly because society has perpetuated the the lack of needing to learn because we devalue the importance of relationships. And I think in this time and, and season of culture and society, it's way different even than it was 100 years ago where the pace of life and the dynamics of community and smaller communities, smaller churches lent itself to forming more lasting relationships, which are formed as a result of reps and time that was more easily found back in the day than it is now with suburbia and sports and kids activities and 
busyness and traffic, it's crazy to me how hard it is uh, to find the time for relationships and how easy it is to get squeezed out. Yeah, that's a good point. We probably have a million more choices now, but probably less close people. It's not like a bunch of guys are isolated and not prioritizing relationships for no reason. It makes complete sense why this is almost an epidemic in regards to the culture of men of how isolated we are. There's a busyness component that I think is the most, the primary thing of we just stay so stinking busy that relationships get squeezed out of the margin in our life and, and it's hard to find time. And we're wired as men to gauge everything by opportunity cost. And so working an extra hour to do a deal and feel a sense of accomplishment feels a lot better than stopping and just going to do relationship because what do I gain for that? What's the bottom line look like? Was What sense of accomplishment is there in this qualifiable, soft thing called a relationship compared to the quantifiable hard outcome of like, hey, I mowed the yard, I fixed that, I changed the oil in my car, I... Um, made that sale, I worked a little bit more. Those things are so much easier for me in the near term to chase after than it is the just spend time relation on a relationship and hang out. It's hard to value that. Yeah, that doesn't find its way onto the to-do list. But at the same time, I mean, you're, you're making this sound like an, an uphill battle, like a, a struggle. I, oh, hope yeah. there, I hope there's relief at some point. For me, I, I think it's it's okay to realize that I think this is a major, major uphill battle. We are swimming against a current that is going to be hard to overcome. And you can't sell relationships. You can't make money off of it. So we're not going to be inundated with the value of that. And guys aren't very good at it. So when we're not good at things, it's easier just to diminish the importance of it by justifying, well, I don't need that. I don't need, it's not as important. That's not as significant. There's, There's also the component of a lot of us have been hurt. And so when we've been hurt or when we have shame connected to being hurt because I let somebody in, they saw the real me and then they left. That wound is so difficult that the passive easier thing to do for us men is just to shut down and go, well, I'm not going to let anybody else in because the hurt isn't worth the potential freedom or life that comes from having somebody close in my life. So There's reasons. There's a thousand reasons. We could talk all day on reasons why we have have such a pattern as men in our society in particular of isolation and not prioritizing or putting a lot of value to relationships. Yep. And would you say, like, it didn't even have to be a reason maybe that happened to us. I mean, we could have seen something happen to someone else or a family member or something where um, they were exposed in a way that was used against them. Oh, yeah. We learned. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to be that. It's not worth it. Heck, yeah. And if it's not worth it, then we don't value it, and we don't put the time into it or the priorities. And I think it's one of the biggest disconnects of wisdom from, with hindsight from older men telling us what's of value to how most of us live and what our schedules reflect in regards to the degree of priorities of relationships in our lives. So it's those guys who go, this is the most important thing in my life. These relationships, my wife, my kids, my close friends, this is the most significant, rich, purposeful thing in my life. They, we say that with hindsight, but in the present, it's like sixth or seventh on our list of priorities 
because all these other things get squeezed in. Yeah, and that that makes sense, Robbie. I mean, nobody's going to disagree that, you know, looking back from, you know, later years or when we're older or the extreme example of on the deathbed that we're going to think about relationships and priorities and what what really mattered, but at the same time what you're saying is also true. It do, it doesn't make the to-do list that that often it's certainly not at the top of my to-do list. So it feels a, a little bleak. It can feel a little uh what's out there? What are we going to do? I don't want to look back with regret. Um so yeah, thanks for setting us up with that, Robbie. Um so in the meantime, let's take a quick break. <laughs> How's that for a transition? Does that feel good? Yeah, let, let's let's lighten it up a little bit before we talk a, about how to actually swim in a current that we might not have a shot of doing. I feel uh, like my voice was even getting deeper there <laughs> before we talked about that. I mean, I'm stuck in my head. So, let's let's take a little break. Again, it's kind of like a commercial this segment, but we don't get paid for it. We got to figure this out. But this is a section we like to call Man hacks. Lee, what you got for us today? All right, this is my man hack. And it's this is another one that seems like it may be an obvious thing, but having having coffee with a friend at Starbucks this week, um, it just blew his mind. So if you are a guy who can't get your coffee hot enough, or every time you get coffee, you think, gosh, if I put cream in it, it's gonna kill it, and then it's not gonna be hot enough, then I don't like it. You guys, you need to learn to steam the cream. If you go to... <laughs> guys, you can ask them to heat... <laughs> Everybody cool? Yeah, we're cool. You can literally ask the barista to <laughs> get to heat up your cream. I'm literally sweating. You can literally ask the barista to steam the cream so that your coffee... Robbie, hold it together. So that your coffee does not get cooled off. Wow. When you're on your way to work, you still have a piping hot cup of coffee. If you only ask <laughs> If you only ask the barista <laughs> I'll take over to steam the cream. Yes, thank you, Rob. Lee, that was a great man hack. Thank you for sharing. Uh all right, I've got a man hack. Uh, this might cause a little division. This might cause a little bit of uh, angst among some of you, but it, there's freedom that comes from being fully known and, and rooted in Jesus. Yeah, I know where and, you're going, and this is a little bizarre. <laughs> and, and, this, uh, and this is one of those perks in my life of feeling secure in who I am and who God says Here I am. Here we go. Am. Brace yourself. So when you got to pee in the middle of the night, and uh, you, you got to get up, you got to go pee, and even first thing in the morning, I'm, I'm not above this. I, I talked to a guy recently, I won't name his name, and I was like, yeah, dude, you don't you don't pee sitting down at night. You don't have to turn on the light. You're not going to turn on the light and disrespect your wife and wake her up. You're just going to roll in in the dark, and you're not going to worry about it being dark, of, of missing, because you just sit down. Missing the toilet. Yeah. I always you sit. You sit down to pee. I sit when I pee, especially at night and in the morning because I'm so tired. You can multitask. This is amazing. It's quiet. It hits the front of the bowl, so it's not loud at night. You can scroll your phone. You can turn off your alarm first thing in the morning if you hit snooze so it doesn't go off while you're in the shower. You can do all kinds of stuff. You can check your mail, you yeah, know, scroll I'm your still phone or whatever. You sit down to pee. Yeah, every night. It's so much more productive, How about in the efficient. Middle of the day? Do it's you a sit great down time. To pee? It depends. If okay. I've got a to-do, if I've got like five text messages... And I need to just knock them out because I'm in between meetings and I'm taking a break. I'll just sit. You sit right down on that urinal. 
and uh, get, <laughs> get it done. No, Lee, you use the toilet <laughs> ah, to okay, sit, just gotcha. for clarity. Well, so, I think it's pretty weird. That wraps up our segment for <laughs> Man Hacks. Okay, guys, let's jump back into this a little bit heavy topic after man hacks. Guys, by the way, we hope these man hacks are improving your life. Mm. We're throwing these ideas out. Some you're going to want to grab onto because they're amazing, and then some leave you sitting on the toilet. Kind of like the rest of our podcast, too. (laughs) We hope it'll help you. We hope this is super valuable. (laughs) But let's jump back in. I mean, we're talking about being fully known, and we we've jumped to the the intensity of looking back on life with no regrets and these ideas and prioritizing. How, where's the relief, Robbie? Yeah, I think the relief is that we can move towards being known, and, and it's it's something that we know how to do. It's a matter of prioritizing it, and it's. I, I think it's important to know a couple of things. One, why it's so difficult and why it's completely normal for us to not feel like we're doing this really well because all the cards are stacked against us. So first of all, understanding why it's so difficult. And then we can talk about, okay, why is it worth it a little bit, which I'd love to talk about the freedom in the life that I've experienced and that you've experienced and that we can experience, um, as well as the the outcomes and the fruit that happens. Talk about the why and the baby steps and... I think of all the things that we do in life to help us thrive, to maintain the course, to not screw up, to to make our life count, one of the primary things, top of the list, is do we have authentic relationships with other guys in our life? And history shows this. Uh, men throughout history, the ones that get derailed, most of the time they're in isolation. And this wisdom isn't something that we made up. It, it's stood the test of time as a value. Some of the books of wisdom from the wisest man who ever lived at the time, Solomon, is Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. And in Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, it's that verse most of us have heard, which is, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. There's a growth component and a sharpening of each other that happens when we are in the in the in relationship with one another. And then Ecclesiastes 4:12 says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And I don't think we're talking about a bar fight of two guys having a better shot. Could be. <laughs> Could be. But the power and strength of being together, Jesus sent him out in twos for a reason. There's a power and a strength that comes from being together which is really summed up in by Jesus in the in the great commandment where in John 13:35 he says love God and love others. In 13:35 he says by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Yeah, it seems relatively simple even the iron sharpens iron um idea seems relatively simple but not necessarily desired. I mean, I think mm-hmm. of an an piece of iron being sharpened by something hammering it or hitting it and so it makes me think like as men we sharpen as we bounce off each other yep and and that also adds to the reason why we don't because it's hard to grow and it's hard to sharpen things that takes friction and difficulty but that that is the difference maker in guys who enter into patterns of passivity and just making it Versus guys that seem to be growing into who we want to be as men. What is the DNA of that? And, and how are we 
um, growing and thriving. And we want to be disciples if we love Jesus. And he gives us the clue that you are disciples by the way you love one another. You can't do that in isolation. I don't think I've ever even really thought about it like that, like in the idea of I can't be a disciple outside of relationships. I can't be a disciple of Jesus privately. I can't be a disciple of Jesus totally mm. on my own. I, I don't think I've ever even put that in that context. My Sunday school teacher would probably cringe because I felt like growing yeah. up, it was like, just read your Bible and pray, yeah. which you can do. Yeah, yeah, But that's a disciple. Yeah. But Jesus... It's a big miss. Love God, love others. By this, they'll know that you're my disciples. By the way, you love one another because that's how you love God. Well, it seems clear when you say it now. <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't for most of my life. <laughs> yeah. So that all makes sense. I mean, it's a big deal. It's significant. Um, wisdom, scripture, everything's pointing to these ideas, and and we're all on board. Um, but, you know, the next question is that I would be asking, or I am asking a little bit, is... What what is a baby step toward it? What do we do? Because I I think about I will meet with a ton of guys this week. I probably won't go fully deep, fully known with any of these guys. It's and I don't feel like I'm I'm wearing a mask. I'm yeah. I'm being me to whatever degree. But you know, it's every other week that I meet with my close guys. So what do we do? What's our baby step? And I think you're even ahead of me because I'm I, I, as I'm thinking about this, I'm looking at my calendar going. Uh, I don't have time. I got soccer starting with the kids. I got, I get home. I got to manage. So to spend time with other guys intentionally is, is a withdrawal from family. I got side projects that are longer than my arm, a list of stuff that I got to get done. Yeah. So your options are either go deep with your 10 year old soccer team or, or find a <laughs> way to get this, like. get this on the calendar. That's what it feels like. I, I think knowing these tensions, I just have to, I think it's as simple for me as looking at my time and and my time reflects what I prioritize and what I value because we prioritize what we value. And if we value, if I value relationships to the degree that in my head I know are so important for me to grow and to thrive, I'm going to sow what I read. And it's so crazy and so simple because we all want that. We all want to grow and do amazing men, and God's designed us for relationships. We want to have those guys in our life. That takes time. That takes a lot of investment, just quantity and quality time in relationships with others to get the outcome that we want. So what we're saying here is that the first baby step is calendaring. Get it on the calendar and commit. Yeah, let's be real. What does your calendar say that your relationships are going to look like? Yeah. Does your calendar say that you are going to have guys in your life that you're fully known by, that you have relationships with to a degree that you experience fruit and growth? It's either going to reflect that as a value, which would result in that, or it's not. I think it's as simple as that. And we have to be intentional enough and valued enough to go, okay, I'm going to swim upstream by putting on my calendar and reaching out to that guy, texting him, saying, you want to have breakfast, calling a friend on the phone. Um, and for me, my, my my group that I meet with, my men's group, is the best vehicle I have for that because it's intentional and consistent and it's built on a foundation of trust. So it's on my calendar. It's the way that I personally, in this season of craziness for me, prioritizes relationships 
uh, in an intentional way with a degree of consistency, which which gets it on my calendar in an environment of trust so that I can leverage those for the sake of this growth. And our hope and prayer for each other and for you guys is that we don't look back with regrets in this department because it's so critical. I know for me, it's also contagious. Like I, I miss being with my close group of guys when I'm not with them for a while. And I know, I mean, I, I live with some level of FOMO all the time anyway, fear of missing out. So I don't want people, you know, my close guys getting together without me, but um, but it's contagious when oh, I don't know. So good finding the freedom of knowing guys who know me, yep, and guys who will miss me if if I'm not there. They would check in. That's a that's a great place to be for me. It, it is it is life giving. Once is you get a taste of it, you don't go back to isolation as easily because it's right. just so freeing and, and empowering. So yeah, takeaway, guys. Look at your calendar. What does that reflect in regards to how you, how much you value and prioritize relationships? And then talk about it in a group. And, and in unpacking this, there's three questions that we ask around all content when we get together with other guys. What does this mean for me personally? What am I going to do about it? What faith step am I going to take to move towards applying this into my life? And then number three, how can we help? How can we follow up? How can we support each other as guys by each other's side? Yep, that's really good, Robbie. And um, I think about also just recognizing that we are, for the most part, speaking to men in community. We're yep. we're preaching to the choir, so we know you guys get this, but I feel like we have to tell ourselves this yeah. all the time, and so we can't talk about it enough. And well done, guys. Well done, guys. You're ahead. So with that, let's transition. Let's wrap up with a little wisdom from the woods. Something that I've been thinking about quite a bit lately is this idea of being a man of thanks or giving thanks or being a man of gratitude. Can you think about somebody in your world uh, that uh, you can tell categorically uh, they are not grateful, they are not thankful, uh, you don't see any sense of gratitude in them? Actually, it's quite easy for me. My personality type and my wiring is such that I don't naturally give thanks in everything. Um, I tend to be a half uh, full or half empty, however that analogy goes. I come from the bottom up. And I've had to work really hard to become a man of thanks, a man of gratitude. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5, he says, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. What kind of man are you? Would people that know you, would they say, man, that is a grateful man, that is a thankful man. Uh, anytime I'm around him, I, I sense a spirit or an attitude of thanksgiving. Well, I have one idea to give you that has helped me enormously just in the last couple of years. Uh, before I write anything in my notebook or my journal, every single day before I ask God anything, I write down seven things for which I'm thankful. I'm one of these early risers. I get out on the front porch. I have my Bible. I have my journal. And I just write seven things that come to mind. And they could be repeats, like thanks for the birds, thanks for the rising sun, thanks for a good cup of coffee, thanks for my wife, thanks for you know, whatever it is, 
I recently had to go to a doctor's appointment and I thought about the benefits that I received from our organization and I thought, God, thank you for the benefits. What is it for you? What are you thankful for today? I encourage you to take a few minutes and write down, I like the number seven, but it doesn't have to be seven, write down three, write down five, write down 10 things for which you're thankful. And I think it will change your mind from being someone that is not as thankful to being more grateful. Think about that. So that wraps up today. And next episode, we're super excited. We're bringing in Doug Hurley. Doug Hurley is a friend of ours. We're going to be talking about how to engage in our calling. How has God designed us? He's been all over the map from doing ministry to special forces helicopter pilot to corporate exec. Uh, And we're going to really pick his brain on what the journey has looked like for him to engage in how God's made him. Yep, guys, we hope that you are enjoying these conversations. We love talking about this stuff. We could do it all day. We hope that you are in these conversations with guys in your groups, but we are thankful that you're listening today. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode when they come out. And if you really like this, give us a rating. Give us a good rating. Only We'd appreciate if you like that. It. If you didn't like it, don't worry about it. See you later. <laughs> See you all next time. Bye.